you want to start us off? Are we starting it off like we used to? No, no, no. <clears throat> oh. This is still. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm Kim Duke and I'm married to an addict. Hi, Kim. Hi, Chris. Oh, I don't say that back. <laughs> I've never been no. to a meeting. That's okay. okay. And hi, my name's Chris and I'm an addict alcoholic. Now you say hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. We'll, we'll do that again. We'll, we'll, huh? Well, you mean we'll have opportunities? Yeah, again? yeah. Okay, I got you. Um, so what did I write right down there? <laughs> you can't read my no. Oh, almost. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now I remember. So there's two things I wanted to bring up. Um, a family member brought up that, um, liked so did because did you listen to the last episode the one you recently yeah. released no so this is a wild thing and like uh, so people realize like kim and i don't record together and i wanted to do it that way to make sure that kim was giving like her undivided opinion when and well not just opinion but side of the story when um when you're talking I thought that was important because when we would record other podcasts, I overshadowed a lot of stuff. So I wanted to make sure that you um, have the undivided attention of the audience. There we go. That's what okay. Um, and uh, but but the last episode, I talked about kind of the childhood stuff that I went through, like. Um, being introduced to porn at a super young age. And then that, uh, like sexual encounter visually seeing that, um, at the age of, you know, six. And, um, and then I talked about how I think that I had like a pattern of, I don't, what is a womanizer? Just that? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. See, <clears throat> I'm, I wasn't sure. So I think that like, like the self-destructive behavior in all of the relationships that I was in and, and falling in love with people super quickly and all of these things, I think was, uh, like my dopamine levels being associated with a, f a female. Mm -hmm. And so my brain was just like, there has to be another way of, of getting that of getting that feeling. So initially, because I think of like the religious background, my brain associated with getting that dopamine kick via romance and romance having to mean real love from the religious part of my brain because it has to be forever. Okay. Um, and so I talked about that. Um, and so somebody had brought up, I didn't mention that I moved out for three months um, when I was 17, basically just because I got caught having, my parents figured out that I was having premarital relations relations, and um, I basically moved out so that I could have sex without being judged. Which is like now looking back on it, like a, the same pattern of like addictive personality and addictive behavior. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I wanted to say that. And then um, was it Monday? I, th I think it was Monday. Yeah, it was Earlier Monday. this week. Um, so I have to take a bunch of medications now. Um, some like because I was dealing with um, anxiety and depression and stuff with substances. Once those things were removed, I, my body started to freak out in other ways and like anxiety attacks came back. And so all these things. And then I ended up tweaking my back again. So I'm on this stuff called gabapentin. Sorry talking really fast and it's making me I know I breath. can tell um 
I feel like I just I talked so slow the last time. I, I know. It drives me crazy. Well, listen, I, the, I listened to the first episode. I don't like how slow I talk either. Yeah, but um, the gabapentin that they have me on now, they reduce the number of pills that I have to take, so they combine them into one pill. And the pill looks totally different now. And it resembles my ibu- my 800 milligram ibuprofens. And so what I think happened was I, well, what, what I know happened. I thought I was taking my ibuprofen um, after already taking one 600 of uh, gabapentin in the morning and uh, ended up taking another gabapentin because the bottles look almost exactly the same. The pills look almost exactly the same. If you grab it from the, like from the top up or the top down, there's no notch in the bottom of the gabapentin. Mm. So it looks just like the ibuprofen. So I ended up taking two gabapentins and unintentionally like, experienced a a type of high from that and I started freaking out because I've been working super hard Mm -hmm. right like went through all this stuff yeah and yeah I was panicking and texting people from uh the treatment center that I was at like friends that I had made through that and was like this sucks I hate that because my body like I could already tell that like my body kind of enjoyed it. And at first I thought I was just kind of sleepy and sometimes like tired in the morning, you feel just relaxed. Mm-hmm. So I was, I thought it was that, but that, so then I started to get like angry cause it's like my midbrain doesn't know the difference. My midbrain is just like sick. We got our little fix and that's all we care about. And then every other part of me was like this fucking blows that I, uh, you know, I know it doesn't count as a relapse because it was an accident, but you still feel like, I don't know, it's frustrating. Yeah. Really frustrating. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the most recent thing that's been going on. By the time this has aired... I also will have hit my my 60 days. <laughs> so I I bought myself a coin cuz uh right now with it, everything going on, I can't go to like an AA meeting or an NA meeting to get a a coin which is like usually um uh what's what's the the word I'm looking for? Tradition. Yeah. That you get it from one of your, oh, oh, typically your home group. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we obviously can't do that. So I just bought, bought my own coin and yeah, excited for that. Gonna have a coin collection. It's gonna be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Got got a decent amount of coins going now. Okay. Uh, any updates from you, Kim Duke? Any? Do you want to say anything about? The last episode or anything? Or last episode conversations that you've had with people. What do you think? Um, so far the reception has been been good a lot of messages a lot of posts um the last episode i've gotten messages about how like people that are close to me know things i've gone through and i think it was hard for them to hear it again um i had like a little anxiety today after it was posted because now it's out there in the world forever with my face the things that i've gone through um, so I'm never going to run for president or any other political thing. Cause now it's out there and they'll use that against you. Um, but I don't know. That's real life. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone is so like I've said before, everyone's really good at putting like this picture on, um, make everything in your life look great on social media. And I, I've done that. I do that. My Instagram looks picture perfect and that's not real life. I mean, far from it our relationship isn't perfect our family life isn't perfect our house isn't i mean but i mean yeah so yeah i'm so used to like sharing everything already yeah that it it didn't feel different but then like not realizing the 
the people there are certain people involved with certain stories and like events in my life that I have to be more careful about. Yeah, I didn't say a lot, I guess. I mean, I didn't say names of things yeah. in like particular where people could figure out maybe who it was. I left a lot of that out because, I mean, it was a long time ago and yeah, obviously you grow and you move on from those events and yeah. But I, I just meant like from, from my end. Like yeah. I, there was, yeah, there was, I, I haven't done anything, like said anything that is, um, that outs anybody specifically, mm-hmm. but I do. I didn't realize how easy it is to, you know, step by step deduct who that person is for somebody who who knows me. Yeah. So I have, yeah, just like realizing after the the first episode that I have to be more careful of, yeah, how I present the shit that I've gone through, because a part of um, recovery is even if you're making amends like with yourself and saying these things out loud, um, it's a part of the guideline that you do. So making sure that it doesn't bring, uh, or yeah, bring physical or financial harm to somebody else. Oh, okay. So it's something that I got to be more aware of for sure. Uh, when I do that stuff, but otherwise, yeah, I think, yeah, people are, it's, they're way more interested in this than, than the other stuff. I think this because it's real life. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of that was silliness and. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I think, like I said, I think my stuff was overshadowing your stuff a lot in those other episodes. Oh. Not all the time, but you know, yeah, I haven't feeling I to need the need to jump in to make jokes and stuff like that. So this is one necessary, I think, because um, I'm not able to go to meetings in physically, and <clears throat> there's other stuff going on when we're home. So making it to those online meetings, I'm making excuses, but. Yeah. It just doesn't feel the same having an online meeting with somebody, which is not to say that people shouldn't do that. It's just, I I should do it. I, I'm just making, no, excuses. you're making excuses. So maybe we should yeah. deter from that. Cause now you're making excuses, yeah. but so, but mainly you're going to do the answer of questions that people may have. Yes. Had. Questions, questions, questions. Um, <clears throat> so question, Number one, I feel like there's a hair tickling you on the yeah. the old mic there. There it is. Okay, it was one of your beard hairs. What? Yeah, I think it was a dog hair. It was thick like a beard hair. Well, dog hair is also thick. Okay. Thick like me. Um. So, question number one is: Do you condemn drugs and alcohol universally? So, like across the board. Or do you just see it as something that is not for you, like an allergy, which is how people describe oh. the addiction sometimes? Do you want me to go first, or do you want to yeah, go first? Yeah, you go first. Uh, I don't condemn it. Um, I just—it's not for me. I'll, yeah, it's like an allergy. It's just not going to be a part of my life, which is fine. I, there's people that can do things responsibly. Drugs, on the other hand, like if we're talking about specific drugs. I'm, I guess I'm not going to go there because um, I don't think there's certain drugs that people should use just because they can potentially kill you. I guess alcohol can potentially kill you too. So it, that's hard. That's a hard question. I don't condemn it. I don't judge other people for using. Um, obviously, I work in the mental health, chemically dependently people. So I'm, I don't judge them. People, I don't think people ever... I, there's people that use for fun, but a lot of people that use like drugs, drugs, there's reasoning behind why they use it. And I can't judge them. They're not judging me, but alcohol, I think eventually we'll be hanging out with people. If they're drinking, maybe we'll see, I guess when all this stuff goes away. And if not, maybe not. Um, I think that's going to be hard, but no, it's just an allergy, I guess, to me. That's what I think. Like I said, I don't judge other people unless they're 
doing reckless things or endangering other people, drinking and driving, like those kind of people, maybe you shouldn't drink, you know? Yeah. Um, I think, uh, yeah, no, I a hundred percent don't condemn any of that stuff. What I would say is that the harder the drug that you do, the more likely you are to become addicted to that thing because it does fuck up your baseline for, yeah. for receiving dopamine. Um, if you have a good experience on a hard drug, your brain is going to store that as a positive memory and uses it as a survival skill and says, we need to figure out how to go find that thing again. So and get with, more of it. Without you, your, your brain will manifest it as a thought, which is to, man, I loved hanging out with those guys and we had so much fun while we were doing that. That was just a part of it, but really it was the activity. So your brain will do things to trick you um, into getting that dopamine because I, like I said, it, it thinks that it's, it needs it now to survive because like pre, you know, fucking thousands of years ago, that was how your brain had to survive. Like getting food was a dopamine kick. So it like, it really was basic, basic, basic survival skills. <clears throat> that were associated with these normal things. Time has, you know, changed it dr dramatically and boredom causes us to not have massive dopamine surges from basic things or not. I shouldn't say massive. We, we don't get as much of a dopamine kick from like survival things because we don't really think about needing to survive anymore. So those hard drugs, it's, awakening something and it'll it you have a, a better chance of becoming addicted to that shit if you have yeah. a negative experience maybe you're a little safer but i i just like the people that i've met who were a, were or are addicted to heroin man like it it kills you time and time again and you keep using that's how bad like i know people hear this shit all the time but when you're living with people who have gone through that shit who have od'd multiple times whose friends have died like it's one thing to hear that shit but when you're staring them face to face it's so fucking brutal so i don't condemn shit what like if you're if you're addicted the shit happens but don't don't even start with the fucking heroin cocaine like it'll just fucking kill you dude and opiates too some people need certain opiates yeah but man be fucking careful about that shit that's what i would say sorry it's a big old ramble uh, question number two, do you have any tips on how to help someone see that they have a serious problem? Well, I'm obviously not a pro <laughs> at that cause I tried for, what have you, did you look into stuff when, when I was in treatment? Um, no, cause you were there. Okay. I think I, I mean, from what I understand, it's, <laughs> I, what I've learned is sometimes people won't understand it's a problem until legal actions occur. Like if they're getting DWIs, if CPS is involved, stuff like that, they don't see it as a problem. And people are very offensive when you point it out. Defensive. And yeah. Defense. Yes. Like you got very defensive and upset every time I brought it up with you. Yeah. And I think it may have caused you to use more. But I don't know if that's the case for everyone, but uh, what's the question? How do you? Um, sorry. Uh, do you have any tips for someone to help them see that they have a problem? Um, so medically, like from a, like a medical professional point of view, there's something called a cage assessment. I can actually go through the questions and that actually, you know, we've used that before um, in 
clinic setting to kind of see what someone's usage is. And I, they may have done this on you, um, before. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and it's four questions. I can go through it real quick. Um, so the four questions are, um, have you ever felt you should cut down on your drinking? Have people annoyed you by criticizing your drinking? Um, have you ever felt bad or guilty about your drinking? Have you ever had a drink first thing in the morning to study your nerves or to get rid of a hangover? Oh, yeah. I have had these questions. Yeah. Um, and then obviously you can adapt it to drug use. You could add drug use yeah, at yeah. the end of it. So those are like the big four questions we would ask people. Because um, oftentimes people get annoyed because people are pointing out like you're, you're drinking a lot. You've been drinking a lot. You've been doing these things. So yeah, they're going to say they get annoyed. Um, stuff like that. Um, so that may be, you know, that'd be a weird way to be like, Hey buddy. And ask those questions very formally, but it's kind of, I mean, if you can take those questions and form it into a conversation, maybe be like, Hey, have you noticed, you know, I don't know how to do, I mean, but you can get it into conversation. Like here's a, an example. Does it, does it bother you that I'm bringing this up? Like, like, I don't mean to annoy you right now. Like, does it, you know what I mean? Like, if you come yeah. at it from a, a sincere you, standpoint, yeah. not like the scared straight style. Yeah. Cause or say I, like, have you, have you noticed that your drinking has increased or things that happen when you are drinking? Like, not even like that. Yeah. Cause even that my people brain already goes to, def- I remember having those people pose it that way. It yeah. still feels very formal and like if you answer it wrong you could get in trouble yeah yeah i guess but like if it's a it's a if it's a close friend of yours you can do things like it see it sounds dumb but like god damn dude you've been killing it lately huh like saying point if you're pointing out drinking and you say it in that way and you get them to acknowledge like yeah man i blacked out last night the night before if you like be creative in the way that you're making sure that they don't feel like you're doing it to corner them because at the end of that it's also not your job to point that out yeah if you're in a relationship it's a little different like eventually you do have to there there are there have to be consequences um because you could be putting that other person in, which goes back to the amends thing. Like you could be putting them in financial um, trouble or potentially physical trouble. Like there are, are times when um, you'll have to do it and it, the outcome w- won't be pleasant. Like presenting those things doesn't mean that the person's going to agree but if it comes to like the safety of you or if you guys have a family, like the safety of, of them and those around you, then you don't really have a choice. Yeah. What I'm trying to say is at the end of the day, it's the, the person's responsibility. So if you're listening to this and you at any point have thought that you might have drank more than the people around you for an elapsed period of time, evaluate why write those things down and or you don't even have to write them down. Just think about it. Just think about why. And if, if you don't really have a reason and, and you're just doing it to do it, then yeah, see if you can dial back. If you're like, I had a, Ter- I, I have constant terrible days at work. I am in a shitty relationship. I'm, you know, these things try to change those things. And if the drinking stays the same, then that might be an indicator that you have a problem. Same thing goes with use. Like it, a lot of the excuses that we make, if you were to remove those things and you're still using then it's pretty clear that it most likely not these other things that you're saying that they are. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. 
So that's what I would say is try not to be like, try not to be the one that makes them discover this because really they need to do it. They need to be the ones that it comes out of their mouths and un like coaxed, I guess. Because, and this will tie into the next question, um, which you should almost almost copy paste them in like notes yeah, or something. That's but okay. they're right next to each other, so actually oh. it's not that bad. Um. So, the next question was, um. So, I had mentioned that I spent five days in the hospital before I realized that I, I had did a not know that until I listened to the podcast. That yeah. was very eye opening for me. It's interesting. Why? We were talking about treatment the whole, like since day two of you being in the hospital and you were very open to it. So it's very surprising that in your mind mm. you thought you were going to come home and not go to That's what it was in like. Maybe it was day three. No, remember I kept getting scared of like of 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 doing it. I just kept I just kept saying, I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. Remember? Yeah. I, it's not the, it, I guess. So I didn't, t I didn't tell myself that I was an alcoholic, like truly until I, and so this is why it ties in with that other thing. The chemical dependency counselor that was, that's at the St. Cloud hospital is freaking phenomenal or one of the two or however many there. Um, she came, asked me a couple of questions, and then just kind of sat smiling, very non-threatening way. And I don't, somehow it made me go, yeah, I definitely need to do it. And then that's when she was like, okay, I'm going to make a call. And then the next day they were like, we called into this place, so you might get a phone call from them. So that's when it started to like... I did all the Hazleton stuff. I was the one that initiated it. But the, but they had to communicate it to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, the social worker. So Yeah, me, well, I had to like, give them the, all of the information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that's it kept happening um, like just very, very, very fast. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, because then once Hazelden was on board, because then, yeah, it, day eight was when I finally got out of there. Yeah. And all that stuff happened. So fifth day is when you met with her and it, you kind of was like, you, that's when you were like, oh, my gosh, I have a problem and I should go yeah, to treatment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it wasn't it took, that I wouldn't go. It was that. You didn't think you had a problem at that point. I just, yeah, I didn't know how to say it. I didn't know how to say um yeah okay that i was an an addict because then i started to like she asked me these questions and in that whole silence stuff i was like well i guess i used to do this like i the huffing duster thing like the I, and so then like just seeing for so long that something's been around as i was like oh and yeah, and so that that conversation with with that um, dependency counselor was was huge. Yeah, and yeah, again, she was not there to say whether I did or didn't have a problem. She was just there to open up the conversation and yeah, let you open decide. Up the conversation, yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. Okay. Um. So there's that. Um. Was it a shocking turning the lights on moment? I guess, yeah. It felt pretty big. Um, was I relieved? No, not really. So it was scary. Yeah. And like I said in the... Going into the unknown too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like I said in the um, the first episode, I I had two shooters that I was planning on having as like a a pat on the back for making it out of the hospital. Like 
it's yeah so my brain was like oh fuck man we don't get to drink those two things which is stupid um did you know you needed help in that moment or did it still feel like something you could handle on your own no i definitely knew that i couldn't do it on my own because you tried when i I finally like figured it out because i knew that going those seven days sober was a nightmare and it was so easy to to drink again yeah even though i'd been sober for seven days so yeah it it didn't really uh you know i didn't feel relieved (laughs) yeah i didn't feel excited about the whole thing i just i felt i was having constant like anxiety attacks or panic attacks um kind of as this stuff continued to happen and um it was very yeah i had no idea what that stuff yeah. looked like all you've ever seen of like treatment yeah stuff treatment like that, and rehab yeah. stuff in movies is just awful yeah or so you either see like the conditions are terrible or um it's so relaxed that people like are celebrity. Away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. People re- are still yeah. doing drugs and still drinking. Like I remember having thoughts of like, I wonder, I, I think I even asked somebody, I was like, can you sneak, do people sneak drugs into treatment centers? And they're like, yeah, most treatment centers have like, like search dogs and things so that you, they get caught. But yeah, it happens. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, I wonder if somebody just has drugs in there, am I just going to do those drugs? Like, and then I almost, it almost felt like I was like, oh, okay. So when I get into treatment, I'll have, it won't be alcohol, have something else so that I'm not what, like, it's crazy. Yeah. And especially looking back on it now, like that was just my, my midbrain, like, (laughs) Coming up with any excuse to try and find that thing again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Experience. So it's explained as like you're just trying to experience some type of euphoria. Like being buzzed is a slight type of euphoria and like all these things. So yeah. my brain just associated with some type of euphoria. That whole dopamine thing is fucking evil. Evil, evil midbrain. <laughs> evil midbrain. Let's just take it out. It sucks. God. I would not recommend being an addict to anybody in case you were thinking about it. Don't do it. Don't do it. As uh, William Montgomery would say. Um, let me see here. I'm just going to double check. FB might take a brief break for our sponsors. Bum, 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 bum. I want to say that I love you. I love you too. You're appreciated and valued. And like another thing with going into treatment was um, I'd already spent over a week away from everybody. Right. And so I didn't know if my job would take me back in 28 days. And even though they were like, you know, it's only what your insurance is approved for. So it could be 10 days, could be seven days. I was like what's the most you can be there though? And they were like 28 days. I was like, it's going to be 28 for sure. I could, I just had a feeling. <laughs> Which is, I mean, if insurance is going to prove that you might as well get well, but it. But I mean, from my perspective, like oh, what? You'd, you'd already done so much without me there. That was the longest I'd gone without being home ever. I think. Yeah. Right. And then to, I'm bad at math. It'd be 36 days altogether. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, to go, yeah, basically a month without being, oh yeah, over a month without being home is a big ask of somebody. Yeah. And Especially it, when I know how much anxiety, like finance stuff brings you. Um, That's a huge, like it's one thing when somebody travels for work or something, but I'm traveling and making nothing if anything taking more and more money away so it was but in my head too 
it was if you didn't do this, how much more money would you be spending using alcohol again? Or what if we had to do a hospital stint again to get you try back, you know, back there mm-hmm. again? What if something worse had happened? So in my head, how much being in the hospital and going to treatment was going to cost didn't mean anything as in comparison to what's going to happen in five years if this doesn't, if we don't get help now kind of a thing. Yeah. I'm just saying what was going through my yeah. head was like, oh, I guess, no, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. No, knowing what I've already seen you go through was, was what I was, I was thinking yeah. about. So two sick kids and yeah. then COVID. Yeah. And then the fucking. And trying to go back to work and God. figure things out with babies. Watching the Corona thing slowly happen. I felt like I was in a movie. Yeah. Cause I wouldn't like it was seriously people on the outside. What are people on the outside saying? Yeah. Like people would say that all the time. And it was so weird to like really be in that. Yeah. Cause you were in a bubble. Yeah. And mm-hmm. from my perspective, like I, I kept getting better and it seemed like as I was getting better, the world was getting worse. Yeah. It's a scary world to come into when you're getting better and then you have to come into a world that is unknown and it's still unknown. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And we don't have to talk a lot about our relationship on this, obviously, because we're going to talk about it in like the series, right? I well, guess. yeah, but we can bounce around and say, like I've said before, because we've touched stuff that we've talked about yeah. already on yeah. this. So, I mean, yeah, the relationship stuff, I'm sure you're wondering, um, am I going to fall in love with all those men? <laughs> no, I thought... <laughs> You liked me like you were constantly intoxicated and were you like your attraction to me. I always associated it with how intoxicated you were. Mm. And so I had this fear of when you got a, like when you were sober, you weren't going to be as attracted to me as you were or maybe sober mind. You'd think that I had, you would identify all the problems I have Uh. and not want to be with me. I did see that a lot um, uh, while I was in treatment was people taking what they were learning and talking about how much of a problem somebody else had or like all of these flaws of other people. I didn't really do that. And I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. It doesn't fix anything. There were like, there was like, you know, internal shit with people on, my unit like but it was petty shit like i don't know not doing their chore because we had to do chores while we were in there yeah i do have a question for you Mm. though and i don't think anyone's asked you um and i don't know if you i don't think obviously you didn't touch on it in the last episode but what maybe you should talk to people about how it was being an atheist and going to Mm. treatment that was um, religious based mm. and how you, cause there might be someone who doesn't believe that's listening to this and is hoping to get help, but knows that there's very, honestly, there's very limited help. Yeah. So kind of how you worked your way through that. Cause the, the first few days were really hard for you hearing all this religious stuff and, but how you kind of took that and used it to help you and your treatment and your journey through treatment. Yeah. Without using religion. It was, that sucked because I had, um, so we, we had to do um, something called morning meditation, but morning meditation was just, uh, there was five books that we would read out of every single morning and three out of five were the exact same passage every time. And then two of them, or no, there were six. So four out of the six were um the same thing and then two of them were uh based on the date so like january 5th entry you know that kind of shit um and one of the the entries was uh like for i think it was february 27th in this one book um the person read and the person who read it was like a shit stirrer. Mm. Um, 
Like they like to play with their own shit. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They, uh, they read, are we lost like the atheist uh, never to know peace? And it's a call and response thing. So people are supposed to say no. <laughs> it's like, fuck, man. And the whole passage, yeah, it was basically about how atheist is fucked if they're attempting to recover. And on top of that, before I went into treatment, they told me that it wasn't a religious, like it was a, a, what did they, what did they call it? A faith organized, something like that. Yeah. But she, they were like, you know, no one's going to try and push religion down your throat. It was like, just kept happening where they, like speakers would (laughs) get on their high horse because people come in and volunteer and, and would speak and uh yeah it short thing though like um i started to like gradually just get like numb to it um and then i had this there was a, a speaker oh that was the other thing i was going to say Anytime, and this has happened to me outside of treatment, anytime somebody uh, would bring up atheism, they would say, at my lowest point, I was an atheist. Or they'd say, I was an atheist, but... And so it was always like, atheism was not only like, is there no hope for you, but it's also associated with the lowest, your rock bottom in recovery. Like, so stupid. Um, And then one night we had an atheist speaker and the first one who like was like, didn't try to sway from it. And he didn't, it's not that he tried to push that any type of agenda. He just tried to let people know, um, that they don't have to let that shit get you hung up. And so it was very like quickly went over it. But as soon as he said it, I felt the whole auditorium, there's like 500 people in there just disconnect from him. Might even be more than 500. I'm not sure. But um, just <laughs> and everybody. Uh, so. Fuck. Sorry. I'm trying to keep. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, so. I went up. And shook that dude's hand and just was unbelievably grateful for what he had said. And then during that, um, I there was one other person behind me that wanted to shake his hand. And I, as we were walking back, um, I introduced myself to this guy and turned out he was atheist as well. And I was like, oh, so I'm sure you've been having a lot of fun with this stuff. And he was like, oh, it's my first day. And I was like, holy shit. And I was, so I told him like some of the things that had helped me. And then like while I was in there, I had this like massive epiphany, epiphany, which um, was that uh, per, like they talk about your higher power. And what they really are trying to say is what is important enough to you to keep you motivated from using they do, they do a terrible job, and I'm, I'm not saying this treatment center. I'm saying all, the whole AA thing. They do a bad job of of just saying that. Like, they get hung up on you getting hung up on the idea of God. So they say, oh, your higher power could be a sneaker. Your higher power could be this. Scratch the whole higher power thing. Just what would keep you. M- motivated enough to not use is what they really want to do or your purpose so that's when i came up with purpose okay yeah so don't even worry about the phrasing of higher power at all don't give that any meaning only give meaning to what gives you purpose that's what they're trying to say with higher power um 
But then, yeah, I had that other realization. Which oh, you per- I'll talk about that other shit later. Okay. So I went on that for long I know, enough. it took you a long time. I'm like, is he still breathing over there? Yeah, saying lots of words. Yeah. But that was, yeah, there was very gradual things that like came to all that shit and it's and it's because i was atheist like yeah and that's one thing i worried about you going to treatment too is because every treatment facility is somewhat faith organized or religious based and i just had hoped i knew of some people that had went to hazelton celebrity wise that i didn't know if they were religious or not and i don't know but if you're famous though like i know i've seen it's fine what else um, that's, I mean, really all I can, all I can think of. Yeah. I will, I will say like, um, that, yeah, like back to the, the faith thing, like just to round it off. Um, I did, I did have the another realization that I think is important, which is that, um, not like even religious people when they hear I'm praying for you or like, I'll pray for you or whatever they get bent out of shape over. And even like thoughts and prayers, what somebody's actually saying is I hope that, um, the necessary things that are available right now are available to you. So like if you're praying that someone's cancer goes away, you're, really saying i hope that medicine is advanced enough to be able to help you get into remission like all of these things are really saying i hope that whatever you need is available to you to not be in pain or suffering anymore or in financial strain yeah and so i there's there's like i hope that that helps people because it's like People check out when they hear even the religious people that were not religious people, but people that believe in in God that were there, like were, would come to me and be like, this fucking sucks, dude. I like, keep going to all these groups and all this religious stuff keeps coming up and I just want to be sober. And Oh, interesting. Yeah. So you don't have to be atheist to struggle with that shit because yeah. it can seem like you're diving into something you don't really give a shit about. Yeah. Like you're satisfied with your connection with a belief system that you don't need that other stuff. What you really need is to the tools. be sober. Yeah. And the tools yeah. to stay sober. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So anything you want to add? I don't think so. I think, I mean, we'll probably do another one of these every so many episodes if people have questions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and we'll talk more about relationship stuff, kids stuff, I guess, later on as it comes. Oh, nice. Somebody sent in a question, but I'm actually already that I answered all these questions. That's oh, funny. Okay. Um, so Good one I... thing that Kim said that I didn't point out in the other episodes was that the letters that I read, I don't read them beforehand. Yes, that's big important. I, yeah, Chris didn't point that out. And I actually didn't know that until I asked you. Can I take a pee break? Uh, yeah, we're gonna take a slight urinary break before you read that. I'm we'll sorry. Right okay, so um, as as we pointed out before that little mini break, um. Once a week, I read these letters, and uh, I'm reading them for the first time along with you guys. And I do not name the people who send these letters, uh, family, uh, or close friends. Um, it might be obvious for some of the letters, whether they're a family or a friend, but yeah, it does not go. And I'm not that. reading a letter. People are wondering. You're not? Do you, you want me to? Yeah, we already talked about that. Oh, shoot. Okay. All right. Maybe okay. I've heard of this COVID stuff, so then we can leave the house if one of us needs to. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> uh, 
All right. Um, okay. Uh, this has taken me a while to write because I couldn't quite seem to figure out how to put this all into words. When we were younger, during the summer break, you would shout to me, go put your rollerblades on and meet me outside. Uh, we used to spend hours outside in the summertime skating and in the wintertime snowboarding, no matter how cold it was, and I would help you film. Uh, somewhere in that time, something changed. We constantly seemed to be at each other's throats. I remember that day you told me that the reason you were moving out was because you couldn't stand being around me anymore it haunted me for a long time uh, sometime after that it was all behind us and we were able to hang out again I don't think I ever fully gathered uh, that you drank until I was about 15 I would see you in this state uh, that wasn't necessarily bad but I could tell that it definitely wasn't you the first time I ever saw you really intoxicated was when you had called me to babysit Landon uh, right before I left for Colorado. Uh, you walked home from one of your neighbors and could barely even stand. You threw up the whole night and I could uh, barely sleep because I was so worried that you were going to uh, that you weren't going to be OK. Landon had heard the noise and it scared him. So he came and slept on the couch at my feet. Uh, it didn't really occur to me that you may have a problem until I got a phone call while I was in Colorado that you were in the hospital uh, after you had tried to take your own life. I was devastated and could barely hold it together. I almost flew back home just so I could uh, say how sorry I was for being so shitty to you all those years. After I was home, we would go to your comedy nights uh, where you would tell me that the only way you could go on stage and tell these jokes was when you had had multiple drinks. Uh, that always confused me because you made me laugh even when I wouldn't want uh, wouldn't want to with your bits. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, when I'm, uh, um, I would look at you uh, being devastated you would walk up to strangers and try to tell them your jokes um, where they would be annoyed and try to go away and yet they couldn't I had to separate you from people oh what I had to separate you from people a lot when it would get to that point I got over it and sometime that summer I invited all the brothers to go to this golf tournament where we went to celebrate uh, me getting married you had been drinking since that morning like some of the others, and things got way too out of hand where it ended in you and me fighting over the span of several months. I never really got over it. I would talk about it with mom, and we would argue for hours because I felt she defended the way I was being treated by not just the other brothers, but by you specifically. I could barely be in the same room as you, and it was very frustrating. More recently, we found ourselves in a similar position. You've made a vast recovery, and I'm so incredibly proud of this brand new progress you've made. I can see it you anytime I see you. Uh, you asked me to write a letter about how you're drinking. Yep. Uh, honestly, it took me a while to find out how to put it. Uh, I went back and forth on how it directly affected me and the Conclusions I came to all circled around the fact that your drinking almost didn't affect me at all. The only way I could see it directly, it uh, the way it directly affected me, um, was because it pained me to see that you were not the fun-loving brother I once knew. You were a completely different person and it messed with me and took me forever to adjust to. Now I see that you are taking the necessary steps to recover and for that I applaud you. Uh, most people today still don't take these steps to, to help themselves. And just know that there are hundreds of people that are here for you uh, when times get hard, including me. Love you, and I'm proud of you. That was a hard one. How do you not cry during all those? Yeah. I mean, I think you know, like, when I was in treatment, there was so much crying. Like... There were, I mean, there were stints where, like, 
you hear so much fucked up shit that it, it almost seems like it takes more to get you in that headspace because you're just so blown away by everything. You're more in a, a state of shock. Yeah. And, and like when you're, you, and you, I think I kind of did that with myself while I was in there. Um, well in the hospital and, and, and until certain points, um, I think I was just shocked that I was even saying certain things out loud and it felt very foreign. So I didn't, it didn't make sense. So like there was shit that like wouldn't get me worked up. Um, but man, that one hurt. Not, I don't mean like he hurt my feelings. I mean, I, I don't think he was trying to be shitty. No, I think he was just being honest. honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oof. And we talked about that before we recorded this was that I don't I don't want people to think that like you're you're told to um like when you're making amends with people let them know that it was the disease right it's alcoholism it's addiction as to why they did you did these things but you, because you're the vehicle or I was the vehicle with which people saw the disease, mm-hmm. it is very personal. You can't yeah. pretend that it's not, and you can't expect people to um, not take it that way. And so I don't want people to think that I'm trying to seem like I'm an amazing person now. And like that. Those, you think we're all in a work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but in just that those, that those things weren't what they were, you know what I mean? Like, I don't remember telling that person that he, that they were the reason I moved out. I'm trying to think of which time. Because I, th- I moved out. I moved to Oregon for a little bit. I think that person was talking about when, when we moved, maybe bought the house, and we were having a lot of altercations with that person when oh, we maybe. lived there. But I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. There was a couple of times I moved out of our parents' houses. That's what he's talking about. Yeah. I can say he because I guess all my... You have all brothers, so... Yeah, yeah. Okay. Should we end the podcast on that? that? Well, he said that it was a brother. Whatever. Um, uh, Oh, perfect. Well, actually, it'll be a a little shorter than an hour. Well, it's going to be a short one. It's just a Q and a Those ones are usually shorter. So this will be a little shorter episode. Um, But as always, um, if you've got questions, then um, definitely feel free to to email those in to DuckDuckGrayDuke. That's Duke as in the college, not Duck. Mm -hmm. Duck, DuckDuckGrayDuke at gmail.com. Or you can just message the Facebook page. Or message either of us personally yeah, if, you if you want to do a call-in episode where, like, you you talk with with Kim and I. Um, that's cool. Um, you that we would just say. Um, to, I mean, if you, yeah, I don't know. If you don't want people, if, to you, know who if you, you don't are. want people to know that it's you, then let us know ahead of time so that we can, I can like manipulate voice. voices okay. and stuff. Yeah. Um. And uh, we'll be sure not to say your name. Yeah. If if you don't want to do that, this is the not so anonymous alcoholic podcast. But you can stay anonymous. You can stay anonymous yeah. for sure. Um. So the the way that you end like an AA meeting. Yeah. How do you end it? I kind of heard the first episode. So when I said that I'll pass. Yeah. 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 So you. Uh, so each person says. So it? it's like when you're done with your. To like whatever you're adding to the group. Okay. You can just say I'll and then I'll pass. I'll let you end it then. Oh. You want me to say it too? <clears throat> no. Okay. Only one person says that at a time, so it's fine. All right. Um Oh I can say and with that we'll pass. Okay. So thank you guys for listening. Subscribe. All that share these posts. Um and episodes and thank you so freaking much for listening and uh with that we will pass